So as I said when I made my little introduction at the beginning of Mass, uh, my whole life as a priest, six years, has been overseas serving as a missionary in mission capacities. Uh, I was ordained six years ago in, uh, I was ordained in New York actually, and right after my ordination, uh, my superior got a call from the bishop in Hong Kong who said, we need priests, we need young priests, do you have anybody who's interested in coming over and helping us out? And so, uh, after prayer and discernment, of course, I said, okay, I'll go over to Hong Kong. And during my whole, well, missionary life, not just as a priest, but years before, too, I've gone to some really uh, interesting places, some very fun and some very amazing and others very difficult, uh, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. So I won't bore you with too many missionary stories, but I've seen some really, uh, place, really interesting places where the church is really alive and a lot is happening. Uh, East Africa, for example, Kenya, where I spent a few months, really, really alive is really a great place to be uh, until I caught malaria and almost died, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> great place. Uh, same place, I found the church in, uh, in Hong Kong where I've been serving. Uh, again, it's a very young church, which is a great thing. It's not a very big church in terms of people-wise, but it's growing, which is a really, really nice thing to see. Of course, now uh, things in that part of the world, because of a lot of reasons, mostly political, the church is changing very quickly, and we don't really know what the future is going to be like there. Uh, but like I say, I've had a lot of really good experiences uh, as a missionary priest, but there have been some, some scary experiences too, I could say. And I think just today, reflecting on fear and listening to the gospel, the first words of the gospel, you know, fear nothing, brought me back to probably what was the most scary moment of my priesthood slash religious life. Uh, and I'll share it with you. Now, all these different places that I've gone, I was able to get a really, really rare opportunity to go to a place that very, very few people, especially very few Americans like myself, get to go to. Um, and I went twice uh, when I was asked to go into North Korea twice for a period of two months, which is a long time. So I spent about between three and four months in North Korea on two separate occasions. And how I got into North Korea is a very long and complicated story. Uh, but basically, the point is that it's very, very hard for a Korean, like a South Korean person, to be able to get into North Korea. It's almost impossible. Uh, it's very hard for foreigners to go to North Korea also. Uh, but through different ways and different channels, I was able to get a visa to go visit into the North. And when the, the bishop, the cardinal in South Korea, had a conversation with me, he asked me if I would be willing to go along with a delegation of other medical people, which is the, the team I went in there with, if I could go into North Korea and see what the situation was like and then come back to South Korea and report to him what it's like. Is there a church there? Is it possible for the church to get going? And these kind of things. So I had to go into North Korea as a journalist. That's what my visa was at. 
So before I went into North Korea, the South Koreans, the, the church there, they gave, well, first off, I had to be trained how to be a journalist, so they gave me this camera, this $1,000 camera I had no idea how to use. I mean, I, you know, here I am acting like I'm taking pictures. Uh, supposedly, the North Koreans didn't know I was a priest, so that was a little bit scary right away, because if they found out, I could be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, but the real scary moment happened when I was there in the country. Uh, when I was in North Korea, pretty much everywhere I went, well, not pretty much, literally everywhere I went, I had a government minder with me everywhere I went. If I would go to the bathroom, my minder would stand outside the door. And wherever I went, I would go. And now, because I was a journalist, even though my real you know, secret spy mission was to see what the conditions were like, my, my official reason was as a photographer. So I took a lot of pictures. And at the end of every single day, I would download those pictures onto my laptop that I brought with me. And then the government people who were with me, they would go through all of those pictures. They would look through all of my files. And they would say, you know, keep this one, delete this one, this one is okay, this one's not okay. And I don't know what the criteria was. Anything that had any words or writing in it was no good. Anything that showed any of the poverty of the country was not good because they want to put an image out of a, a very rich country that's very, doing very well. Uh, to be very honest with you, you know, I prepared myself before going to North Korea by watching a lot of YouTube and watching a lot of videos. And everything I had heard was that the country was very poor, conditions were very difficult. Uh, but I, honest, to be very honest, I wasn't prepared at all. It was so much worse than I even imagined it would be. The country is terribly, terribly poor. There is nothing green anywhere. There's no grass, there's no plants, there's no leaves on any trees. The reason is because the people have eaten everything. That's how starving they are. There's no animals. I did see when we went way out into the countryside, there was a cow, a cow that was alive, and I saw some people around it. I was shocked that there was a cow still alive. So I asked one of the people with me, uh, why is this cow still alive? And they told me, and sorry, I hope this doesn't ruin your breakfast, but the reason that the cow was still alive is because what happens is the people will follow, the kids will follow behind the cow, the cow will, will, will use the bathroom, and then the kids will dig through the droppings to find corn and things to eat. I mean, this is, this is how poor, it's a tough, tough place to be. And there's really no church to speak of either. If there is a Catholic church, a Christian church, it's very underground. It's very illegal to be Christian. So very poor. But I took pictures of this scene. And this was the scary moment for me was the pictures of this, this, this poor area uh, was something I really wanted to bring back to South Korea to show the bishop there that, yes, this is the real condition. It's not what they put out there on the news. And so, because I really wanted to keep this picture, but I knew the government, the minder, was going to go through all of my pictures, I downloaded it onto my laptop, and then I, I hid the pictures. You know, you can make like a folder, and then another folder. So I made a folder inside of a folder, inside of another folder, moved it into another. I mean, I hid it deep in the, in the file system of my laptop. So when I gave it to the minder to go through and check, he went through all the pictures, and I don't know how, but he found it. He found it in there, and I thought, oh boy, all right, I'm in trouble now. Thankfully, he said, delete, delete it, delete it. Okay, fine, so I didn't get in any big trouble, but I was a little bit scared, so I deleted it. I moved it into my trash. Now, the neat thing is that he doesn't know is I put it into the trash, but I didn't empty the trash. So as soon as I left, I pulled it out of the trash and put it back in there, and I still have it. 
So playing with a little bit of fire, yes, but scary, scary situation. So like I say, for me, this was a big moment of, of fear, I think. The biggest moment of fear probably in my, my priesthood life, my missionary life. And the reason I was afraid was because I was afraid of, of getting caught and being punished, right? I mean, you know, there's been stories of Americans and others who have, been, who have done things in other countries that they weren't supposed to do, and you get in trouble and you get arrested, and then who knows what happens from there. So there was a little bit of fear behind that. Naturally, this experience helped me a lot in my prayer life. I learned to pray. I learned to really rely on God. When there's nothing around you, that's when you really learn, wow, I really have to depend on God to overcome this fear. And no matter what happens, eh, so long as this is God's will, no harm can come to me. So that's really what we're reflecting on this morning, as we heard uh, Christ say, and as we heard St. Paul talk about as well, is the faith the belief that no matter what, no matter where we are, God is at our side, right? There's a lot of things that we are afraid of, a lot of fears that we face. And sometimes they're justified, sometimes they're not, but they exist because of different reasons. You know, like we say, if we do something wrong, then yeah, there's a fear of being punished. If you're afraid that somebody else is going to find something out about you, yeah, there's a fear there, certainly. And so how do we combat that fear? How do we face the fear? And once again, Christ, I think, gives us the answer, which is to have faith and to have trust. What's most important, I think, for us, especially when we're discerning and when we're really listening and trying to understand what Christ is teaching his disciples when he talks about fear, is probably to understand what St. Thomas Aquinas talked about fear, which is the understanding that there's really two different kinds of fear. And this is what Thomas Aquinas talked about. There's one kind of fear that uh, St. Thomas called servile fear. And this is fear basically that comes about because you've done something wrong and you don't want to get caught, or it's fear based on sort of the threat and the situation that's facing you. So servile fear is something like you've stolen something and you're afraid the police are going to catch you, right? Or you've told a lie and you're afraid that somebody else is going to find out and they're going to be angry at you and, and not like you anymore, right? There's also a sort of related type of fear which is related to the things that you're going to do. So if you're uh, nervous or if you have anxiety about a big presentation that you have to give at school or at work tomorrow, maybe you're a little bit afraid. And there's other kinds of fear too. So if you're, uh, I don't know, if you're at Universal and you're waiting in line at the, the Incredible Hulk roller coaster, right, and you're afraid, that's what I'm going to do later today. That's why this came to mind. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been in years. But anyway, if you're afraid, then you can face these fears. And all of these kind of fears, these servile fears, there's easy ways to handle that. Either you you do it, you get over it, or you don't, right? If you don't want to be afraid of getting caught for stealing something, well, then don't steal it, right? Or if you've already done it, give it back and make amends. Do something about it. Servile fear is something you can do something about, and that's really what Christ is calling us to do. If there's something you're afraid of, or you're afraid of somebody else finding out about, either don't do it, don't do it again, or make amends for it. 
go to the person and say, you know what, I did something wrong, I took something that didn't belong to me, I lied about you, I gossiped about you, I'm nervous you're going to find out, so I'm sorry. Then guess what? The fear goes away, right? If you're afraid of the roller coaster while you're standing in line, either get out of line or just do it. We're called to take action, and that's really the message of the gospel, especially what St. Paul was telling us. Take action and know that if you make a decision, if you help yourself, God is going to be there to help you. The second kind of fear that Thomas Aquinas talks about is called filial fear, which is fear of God. And this is a very different kind of fear. This is in fear of punishment. And I think this is a big mistake that a lot of us, myself included, we make a lot, is that when we sin or we do something wrong, we're terrified that God is going to hate us, right? That God is going to punish us. And if I don't fix this sin right away, or if I do it again and I die, I'm going to hell forever and I'll never be with God. Filial fear is a different kind of fear, though. It's a fear of being separated from God forever. It's not a fear that's based on punishment, but it's a fear of the piety, of the mercy, of the love of God and us not being able to accept it. And this is, I think, really, really what Christ is referring to when he says to not be afraid, is the realization that no matter what, God will always be at our side. God will help us overcome whatever fear it is, but we have to learn to help ourselves first. I think until we, and this is something that uh, Richard Rohr, the Franciscan priest, mentioned once, is that until we utilize all of our other sources we're not going to realize that there's a greater source out there who's willing to help us. In other words, if you're constantly living in fear and anxiety and you're not willing to do anything about it, it's very hard for us to accept or to realize that God's love and God's mercy is always there available to us. We act first, and then our hearts are open up to God's love and mercy. God's love is always there. God's help is always at our side. But sometimes our minds, not sometimes, most of the time, our minds and our souls are not willing to accept it because we want to do everything ourselves. But once we take action and start overcoming our fears, then we open ourselves up to God's help at our side. So I think that's really the message today, is not being afraid of punishment so much. In fact, there's really never any reason to be afraid of being punished. Now, Sometimes we do things that are wrong by somebody else's standards, but they're truly not wrong, right? Like I say, I don't think me taking that picture, me taking that picture in North Korea was wrong by the government standards. But my point in taking those photos was to bring it to the rest of the church, bring it to the world's attention so that things could be done. Once I realized, well, the intention's not that bad, there's really nothing left to fear. Sort of the, the typical example often given um, in circles is in uh, you know, World War II time when there were a lot of Germans who would harbor and would hide the Jewish fugitives in their house to protect them from the Nazis, right? And sometimes the German soldiers would come looking for the Jews and the Germans would say, no, 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 there's no Jewish people here when really they were. Of course, they were very afraid. This is something that was you know, illegal in this time period. They were afraid of being punished, but there was no sin in this. In fact, they were doing a great thing. 
the people who were helping out other people to save their lives is not a sin. So, yes, there's a punishment there, but it's not wrong. This requires discernment for us to think about. Are the things that we're afraid of, are the sins that we've done truly something wrong? Sometimes we make mistakes because we, we make mistakes, and that's okay. But sometimes we do things that are truly wrong, and whatever punishment we receive is truly justified, and so we're called to fix it. If the fear of the punishment is the fear of God, we can do something about it with God. We can make amends with the person that we've hurt, we can go to the other person and say, I'm sorry. The best way to get over the fear of being punished or having God angry at you, which is not going to happen, but the way to get over that fear is to make reconciliation. It's to go to the sacrament of confession, right? It's to receive the Eucharist, receive the communion. These are ways in which you bring yourself back. It's not bringing God back to us, but it's helping ourselves get over the fear and realizing wow, no matter what, God is always at my side, but I need to help myself first. When I take those steps, when I go to the sacraments, when I stand before God in humility and ask for mercy, then I can come and I can accept that reality, okay? So I hope this kind of makes sense. I hope you find this a little bit helpful. Like I said, it's been a while since I've spoken in English this much, but I think the point is this, is that if you find yourself afraid of something, afraid that somebody doesn't like you, or afraid that you've done something wrong, or afraid that you've separated yourself from God from some way, it's very easy to fix. Number one, do what you have to do to overcome that fear. Make amends with the person you've hurt, or make amends with God. And then number two, stand before God with humility and honesty and say, God, I made a mistake. Please help me. And that's what Jesus promised, is that no matter what, he's going to help us. Okay? So let's keep praying for each other. Let's pray for our parish family and especially pray for ourselves. I think especially when you find yourself in position of anxiety and fear. Remember, God is always at your side. God is never going to leave you, but it's up to us to do something about it, to accept that, to be open to that grace and that mercy that's always present, okay? So let's keep praying for each other. Amen.